Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines. And Pastor Joe Sorgen. Welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On this past Lord's Day at our church here, Church of the Open Bible, uh, I was going through Esther chapter 4. And that's probably the most well-known chapter in the book because uh, at the end of the book, there's uh, Mordecai, Esther's uncle, and he's trying to convince Esther, who's now the queen of Persia, to go just risking her life to talk to the king to plead for her people, the Jews, whom Haman, the enemy of the Jews, uh, had planned on a coming genocide of the whole nation. And he was saying, you are our hope. You need to go and uh, speak to the king and find a way to rescue us from this annihilation. And at first she resists, but then Mordecai gives her some strong uh, reasons to do it. One, he says, is, you know what, you're a Jew. Eventually that's going to be found out, even though she'd been hiding it at this point. And so your life's at risk one way or the other. Then he says, and even if you, if you don't, deliverance is going to come from somewhere else. He doesn't say where that somewhere else is, but he has that confidence. And then there's the famous line where he says, uh, who knows that maybe you came to this place for such a time as this, uh, as, as being the queen. And Esther, something about that really, um, really sparks uh, some hope in her, some understanding. And she realizes, yes, uh, this is what I need to do. And then she says, I will go to the king. If I perish, I perish. So you're probably, if you're familiar with Esther at all, uh, you're familiar, I'm sure, with this part of the story. And, you know, it's Esther shows some real courage here. She, she's going to do something that's pretty heroic. She's going to risk her life to try to save her nation, the Jews. And, and that's encouraging. But if we pay attention to the details, as we did on Sunday, we also realize that uh, there's a lot of ambiguity about what her and Mordecai's motivation was behind all of this, what exactly they were thinking. It's interesting where Mordecai says deliverance is going to come one way or the other. There's a good chance that he is thinking about God's covenant promises to Israel, but we're not told. The author intentionally leaves that out. He could just be thinking, yeah, you know what? Most likely somehow we'll be delivered. We don't know. But also when he says, um, who knows if you've come to the uh, to this position of the palace for such a time as this, that we assume, oh, he must mean now he's talking about God's sovereignty. There we go, right? He's trusting in God. God is sovereign. He's brought you here. But again, it doesn't say that. Uh, for all we know, he's thinking that she's there by chance, by luck, by fate, maybe even the pagan gods, maybe Marduk, who he, he's named after as Mordecai. We don't know. Similarly, Esther, when she makes this statement of what she's going to do, she never mentions God. She never says, I'm going to trust in God. In fact, she tells the Jewish people to fast, but she does not tell them to pray, to call out to the Lord. She never mentions the Lord. Very well, she could be thinking that. But the author intentionally does not tell us, leaving this ambiguity, I think, very clearly, so that, among other things, she's relatable. We understand, because this is us most of the time, right? We're in a hopeless situation like they were in. We find hope, and sometimes that hope is explicitly in God and his promises, but other times it's not. It's it's muddled. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we we don't have good theology. Oftentimes our faith is shaky at best and we manage to do the right thing. We maybe even manage to do heroic things, but our motives are mixed. Uh, that's the reality of living in this life and still having the flesh, this nature within us. And, and that's encouraging because then when we look at Mordecai and Esther, we see ourselves, we see that we're no heroes. And yet 
God can still do great heroic things through us. And we're even capable of doing the right thing often, even when our faith and our hope is weak. Now, uh, Joe and I both agree that that's, that's pretty clear from the text. Um, you have to really read into it to see any kind of explicit sense that they were operating by faith or that they were trusting in God and putting their hope in God. They may have been, but we are simply not told. And that is uh, difficult. And I know as I've been preaching through Esther so far, there's been a bit of feedback about that uh, because I think it's difficult to see sometimes Bible characters who we've put as these godly heroes and start to realize, oh, they were actually pretty flawed. There mm -hmm. were compromises here. They'd, they, they didn't go back to the promised land like the prophets told them to. They, they were among the Jews who stayed in pagan Persia because they had assimilated and were comfortable with it. Um, there's a lot going on here that should give us pause about making them into some kind of moral heroes that we should follow. But that kind of exposes a bigger problem, and that is a moralistic reading of the Bible. And this is very common, uh, and, and it can be essentially, as I've talked about already throughout the series, where we look at the Bible as, oh, this is a, a book about stories about good godly people who do good godly things to be a good godly example for us to follow so we can all be nice godly people. And that's just not what the scripture uh, teaches at all, does it, Joe? No, I mean, and like you've laid out, like we see that very, very clearly in Esther. Um, but so often Esther is taught as, you know, be be bold like Esther or um, be <clears throat> be a light in a dark place like Mordecai or what, whatever the situation is, where that is just simply not what Mordecai and Esther were doing. They're, they're like, like you point out, their motivations were so mixed. But that's just one example. I mean, if you go throughout the Bible, I think we've all heard these uh, different stories from the Bible basically be taught, be like A, because they are nice or good, or they do this thing, you know, be brave like Dave. Um, there to be a Daniel. There to be a Daniel, that sort of thing. And like, I think there's maybe some element of truth, especially like there to be a Daniel. Sure. It's like Daniel was a really upstanding guy and there's nothing completely, absolutely wrong with it, but uh, we just need to be very careful about how we read these uh, these narratives in the Bible, especially because these aren't perfect people. These are these are sinners. They're people who are are broken. Uh, they're people who are just as affected by the fall as you and I are. And uh, and I think that this temptation to say, look, they 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 they're like me, or I should be like them, uh, is is a little bit scary. No, they are like us. That's what we need to realize, mm -hmm. but not in our perfections, mm -hmm. rather in our flaws, we're like them. Uh, and I think that's, that's really, really important for us to note. And, and of course, this doesn't mean that there's not heroes of the faith. There are. But if we look at these heroes of the faith, we recognize they are very, very flawed people. And what makes them heroes is that they do things faithfully they they trust in god as they do things you know the the hall of faith as it's called hebrews chapter 11 we see this long list of of god fearers from from the old testament that do lots of amazing things but if you look at this list of people you know it it talks about um you know as we go on of course it talks about abraham for quite a while mm. of course abraham did uh, act in faith and it was credited to him as righteousness and that's an amazing thing what else did Abraham do? Well, he lied. Um, he um, told his wife to lie. Told his wife to lie. 
Uh, and of course, he had more than one wife as well. And all these other issues that really mm -hmm. Abraham had, it's Abraham's far from a perfect, uh, perfect person. He had many, many flaws. And then you go on and you read about, um, you know, uh, Jacob as well. Of course, mm -hmm. we know of Jacob's many flaws. Uh, again, another uh, trickster for sure. Mm -hmm. um, Moses, well, he's a doubter big time. And how murderer. often did, murderer, yeah, doubter, murderer. How often did he respond in anger? as well, you know, striking the rocks, being disobedient directly mm -hmm. to what God had told him to do. Uh, and on and on and on. I mean, it mentions Samson yeah. in this hall of faith. I mean, it's hard to find a thing that Samson does that I, I would say, oh, that's a good example to follow. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, he acted in faith. He trusted in God at some point in his life, at certain points in his life. And that is admirable. And so he's considered in some ways to be a hero. But with all that said, all this huge list of people that are in Hebrews chapter 11, it never once says, be like them. The example is there to, for us to act in faith as well. But what it does say is you go to Hebrews chapter 12, it's very interesting. It says, therefore, in verse 1, so therefore, of course, saying, remembering what we just read in Hebrews chapter 11, what's it there for? Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, because this huge list of names, we're surrounded by people like that. And with them as the, our example in some ways, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us. And here's the key, looking to Jesus, mm -hmm. the author and perfecter of our faith. These other people who we might consider to be heroes aren't really the examples for us. There's maybe some things in their life that can be used as examples, but ultimately we need to set our eyes to the only perfect example, the only actual hero in life in general, mm -hmm. and certainly the only hero of the Bible who is Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the hero of the Bible. And these other narratives are, are there to show us something, but it's not to show us how great David was, because he wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. We, of course, know you know all about David and his flaws or um you know how great Solomon was and how wise he was he was wise he's also dumb <laughs> how many wives did he have yeah exactly that was that's to me that's about as unwise as you could possibly be um but yet we know he's also wise so uh, again all of these narratives and I think especially there's a temptation to do this with Old Testament narratives mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um just to moralize them and we just want to say you know let's pump the brakes on that a little bit Take a step back and really look what's going on in these stories because we see quite quickly these are not perfect examples to follow. They have their flaws. The only hero of the Bible, the only example that we should follow is Jesus. And that's why the entire New Testament, really, so much of it at least, is talking about us growing in Christ-likeness, not David-likeness or <laughs> Abraham-likeness, Christ-likeness, mm -hmm. growing to be like him. Yeah, that's good. And as we pay attention to what's going on and always what is the author doing, in this chapter and the way that this is presented. Yes, there's occasionally sections, chapters where clearly what the author's doing is presenting the acts of this character as, as godly and as worthy of emulation. But most of the time, what he's doing, what the different authors are doing and what the ultimate author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is doing, is uh, showing us our need for a savior, right? It's, it's a story ultimately of sinners who need to be saved, of broken people who need to be put back together again of uh, hopeless people who need hope, helpless people who need help, right? Messed up people who need to be made new. That's 
what we see in these stories. And I think that's what we need to hear. Yeah. Like, you know, if we have all these perfect examples, that would just make me feel horrible. Yeah. Because that's so far from who I am. I need these stories of we need a savior yeah. of I'm hopeless and I need hope. And that's what the Bible does for us. And like, and like the story of Esther, God works through Esther, not because of her, but in spite of her, mm -hmm. God does an incredible work uh, through a sinner. And guess what? That's the story of every single person in the Bible. And that's the story of all of us. It's only by God's grace that we are capable of doing anything. Like Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, right? It's only by the grace of God that I am what I am. Uh, Peter, right? I mean, Peter and Paul, the two great apostles, uh, you know, as we would consider them and, and, and evangelists and preachers and missionaries. And yet what does Peter do? He denies Christ three times, right? And yet Christ restores him. And uh, that is, again, is meant to give us hope because that's you and I. And uh, we would just want to encourage all of you who are listening as, as you're discussing this and as you're discussing as well, whatever, whether you're part of our church or another church and you're discussing uh, particularly sermons on Sunday, that you would always be thinking through that lens as well and be thankful, thankful that there is the one great perfect hero of all Christ who has delivered us all and given us hope and that he can work through us even despite our sin. So we hope that has sparked some uh, thoughts in your mind and will spark some discussions on your end. We will be back again next week talking about Esther 5. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See ya. So long. Thank you.